following is a production of Word Alive Creative Arts. Welcome to the podcast of Word Alive International Outreach in Oxford, Alabama, an apostolic center for transformation and freedom. We pray today that you will be blessed and strengthened by this powerful message. I know this football season is getting close to the playoffs and everybody wants their team to win. Yeah, and uh, that's all right. Okay. A house divided cannot stand now. So, yeah. <laughs> so, but, I, but I remember this little story. There's this guy who was a uh, quarterback, and he just never got to play. Regardless of whatever happened, they wouldn't put him in. And so they were in the final game of the year, and every time he'd ask the coach, coach say, you're just not ready. I, I, yeah, I, don't want you to, I don't want you to lose confidence. I don't want you to mess up. They're at the last game of the season. They're ahead by three points, about a minute left in the game, and lo and behold, the starting quarterback gets a penalty and gets ejected out of the game. The coach goes there and gets this guy who's always one place. All right, I want you to go in there. All you need to do is run four plays and we're out of here, okay? said, I want them to get the ball, and you turn around and give it to the guy behind you. That's all we got to do. The first play, he did it. Second play, he did it. The third play, he did it. He thought, well, let's just flip it out here this time. He did it, and he flipped it out there. The guy fumbled. The other team picked it up and ran it in for the winning touchdown. The crowd was booing, screaming, hollering. The coach walked up to him, put his arm around him, and said, Son, see, that's the reason I hadn't played you. Look at him, they're screaming at you, they're mad at you. He looked, he's up, said, Oh no, coach, they're screaming and mad at you for putting me in. <laughs> so if you don't like what happened today, it's not my fault, pass it yet. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's go ahead. I don't want to keep you all day. My dad used to tell me what he liked about me is I didn't preach a long time. So I'll try to make him happy up in heaven day. I've got a little story that we're going to jump into. I've always liked the stories of the Old Testament. For, for me, if you've been here a while, you realize I'm not the brightest bub on the tree. But uh, if I can get a picture of something, it helps me see. And the Bible says that. The reason all these things are in the Old Testament, they're there, is that the Bible calls them an example or a picture for us to look at so that it helps us. And one of my favorite ones is in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. I'm reading from the NIV translation. This is what it says. One day Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put a bed and a table and a chair and a lamp for him. Then he can stay whenever he comes to us. My topic today is if you give God just a little room, he's going to do some really big, big things. All right? You see, the thing about Elisha that's so 
important is that he was a prophet of the double portion. You know, he got a double portion of what Elijah had, and in his day, you see, the prophet represented God because that's where the word came from. And the Bible in the Old Testament, King James, it says, it says here, I think four times in the story, it says it fell on a day. Uh, in the New Testament, it's translated more like it came to pass. And we read that, you know, and we think, well, it just, you know, it just fell on the day. That just happened. But when you look at what that word means, it doesn't mean that it just seemed to happen. The word that's translated, it fell on a day and it comes to pass. It, what it means, it means that not only to become something, but to bring something into existence. You see, what it was, Elijah passed her way and in him was the ability to bring something into existence. And the Bible said that he would come by and so, you know, and we're talking about the ecclesia and we're talking about our families and our homes. You see, I want to tell you right now, God wants to bless your family and bless your home. You know, when I was growing up and I've been a pastor for years and we've all, and I, you know, and we'd always talk about, you know, we'd have a big campaign gathering people, pack the pew, fill up the seat, whatever you want to call it, and we'd try to get everybody's, everybody to the house of God, and that's all right. But you see, God's intention is always... It's always to get God in your house. Because you see, when you get God in your house, there is no... See, when God gets in your house and you begin to trust Him and believe Him, guess what? All possibilities and potential for you and your family, they're unlimited because there's nothing that the Lord can't do because He is the one and only Lord. Amen? But you see... We have to be in agreement. And you know, this guy, Elisha, come by and they'd feed him. And so, the Bible doesn't give her name. I like that because it could be anybody. It could be anybody's house. It could be anyone. But she just got to talking to her husband. She said, I don't know about you, but when he comes by, I feel God. She said, I don't know about it, but there's something. God, God's got his hand on that man. She said, I think we need, this is what I think we need to do. She said, I think we need to build a little room on the house for him. Now, I tell you what's crazy. The word that's translated small chamber really means upper room. You may not have an upstairs in your house. But you need an upper room in your house. You may not, I don't know, you may have a den and a bedroom and that's it. But you need an upper room in your house. Because I want to tell you, the Bible says that what they decided to do was to build this for this man. You know, when I read the Bible and don't pay attention to a lot of things. But the Bible said, tells us what they put in there. They put him a bed. They put him a table. The Bible, Old Testament, King James calls it a stool. Really, it could be a chair, but the root word, get this now, is for a throne. And then a lampstand for light. 
You see what they provided him? They were giving him a place to rest, a place to get fed. They were getting, him, getting a place where he could call on God, approach God's throne, and then he could get revelation. I don't know about you, but if there's a house in my home like that, I'm going to visit it. Because, and see, what you got to get to feel is God knows what he's doing when he's working. You know, we talk about this Shunammite lady. The thing that, see, she was a great woman. She was very wealthy. And when I was a small kid, you know, I can't never, you can tell by looking at me, I've never gone to bed hungry. And I woke up hungry and got up and eat and go back to bed. That's the reason I'm big as I am. I'm just being honest with you. But I always thought, you know, rich people had no problems. But I ran into a band of prophets and theologians in 1965 called the Beatles, and they said, money can't buy you love. <laughs> and so I, came, so I came to the realization that, you know, I've had a little and I've had a lot. When you got a little, you want more. When you got a lot, you don't want it. You're trying to keep it, you know. And, but she was a really great lady. But the thing about it is the Bible says that she didn't have a child. Now, you see, it's a whole different culture back then because, you see, the Messiah hadn't been born, so every Hebrew lady wanted to be fruitful. Why? Because nobody knew who might birth the Messiah. And so here's, you got to, I get to think about a story I think is cool. Right, here comes this guy, Elisha. And the Bible says one day he's laying on the bed that she provided for. And he's laying on the bed and he's talking and he said, go get the Shunammite lady. Now what you got to remember Shunem means the place of double resting. See, Elisha wasn't just resting for himself. He was fixing to leave. He was, God was fixing to use him to take this lady's burden. And what, he, what the Bible says, he calls her in and says, you've been so careful for us. You've been so good to us. I want to do something good for you. Said, could I talk to the king for you? Or could I go uh, talk to somebody in town for you? And her response is, oh no, said, I just dwell among my people. Her deal was, she said, I just kind of stay in my place. You see, the reason she said that, because I believe she'd been disappointed so many times. Because I believe she wanted a child. I believe her and her husband tried to have a child, but it just couldn't happen. And I believe there was times she'd been disappointed, disappointed, disappointed. But I'm here to tell you this morning, the God that I serve is not into disappointments, but he is into appointments. And he's got an appointment for you somewhere, sometime. You just got to give him a little room to let him do what he wants to do. But I'm going to tell you the truth. You give him a little room, he, he's going to invade the place if you let him. Because once you give him some space, he's going to come in and, and he's going to take over if you let him. And he, when he takes over and turns it around, your home's going to be, you may be living in the same house. You may have the same carpet. You may have the same furniture. But when people come to your house, they're going to say, man, this is a new place. I've never been in a house like this. Why? Because the Lord is there. 
And when the Lord is there, good things happen. And Gehazi told, said, Mr. Elisha, she doesn't have a child. Elisha said, that's no problem. Go get her. See, you think what you have to offer God is not worth anything. But right there, you see, and I'm glad that it wasn't at school of prophets. I'm glad it wasn't at uh, some glorious gathering. Laying there on the bed, Elisha started prophesying to her. That little bed she gave him. Laying there on the bed, he said, about this time next year, you're going to have a son. She said, now, Elisha, please don't lie to me. She said, I blessed you. She said, I've taken care of you. Said, but please, please don't lie to me. But you see what it was. God was using Elisha to bless her. You see, what you and I have got to realize, we cannot play down the power of God's blessing. Because, you see, when you get over, start out in Genesis, when God created the earth, then he blessed it. And then when he created Adam and Eve, and how many of you know God doesn't make any junk, but after he created them, the Bible says he blessed them. And this is what God wanted for them. And the same thing God had for them is what he wants for my house and your house. Throw up that little slide that says blessed. He said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish, subdue, and rule. Now, I know it's talking about you know, having children and stuff. But number one, he wants you to be life-giving. I believe that there's, power, there's the power of life in your tongue. And I believe that where you go, you can be fruitful. People, I don't know about you, when they see me, when I saw James Patio a while ago, my light lit up, and if there's a baby in there, he jumped. But I don't know. I was just glad to see him. But I want to tell you something. That I've known some people, when I saw them coming, I wasn't happy to see them. But I want people to be happy. I want to say there's some life in that man of God. I want to be fruitful where God wants me to be fruitful. And it's not just existing, it's thriving. Paul said, I've learned to abase. But he said, I've learned to abound. He said, but I've learned in whatever situation therewith to be content. Replenish means to fill or enlarge your borders. Well, you know, we've been praying the prayer of Jabez. I want more territory. I was telling the Lord that day, the Lord, I'm 67, and I may not look like it, but there's still some fire in me. I said, Lord, there's still some preaching in me if you'll let me preach it. I said, there's still some power in this old man because you see, subdue means to take hold of the resources and make them available to you. You say, well, I don't have anything, but he does. And what he wants you is to subdue it. He wants you to reach out in faith and take hold of the unlimited resources of God and bring them into your life. And then rule means you just take dominion over it. You reign in life. And see, it hadn't changed. That's what he wanted for it. That's what he wants for you and I. 
everybody, not everybody's house is going to look the same. Not everybody's going to do the same thing. But this stuff right here can be blessed. Because you see, when God blesses you, and man, let me back up and define blessing for you, if I can find it. Blessing is the empowerment and enablement to prosper, excel, excel, outdo, and do well. You see, I don't want to tear up anything today, but I've torn up stuff, and Pastor Kent's always been able to fix it, so... I just got to be honest with you. I don't worry about curses. Because the blessing of God, cursing has no power over the blessing of God. I used to pass a little guy, his name was Ole Hancock. Ole was rough as a cop. I mean, he had no tact. You know, he just, you know, he just called it like it is. And, and you know, he wasn't a real tactful guy. So he's one of those guys that a lot of people didn't sit with him in church. And, but, uh, but I went to see him one day, one day in the nursing home. He was sick. And I said, I said, well, Brother Ole, how you been doing? I said, I'm doing good, preacher. I said, I had to straighten out one of my nurses. I said, well, what's wrong with her? Said, she's telling me stuff that wasn't in the book. I said, what do you mean? What book are you talking about? He grabbed his Bible and said, the book. She was trying to tell me this stuff, and I just told her right flat. I said, hey, lady, that ain't in the book, and I don't believe that. So for Brother Ole, I'm just going to tell you what's in the book. There's a story over there where somebody hired a prophet to curse Israel. His name was Balaam. And every time he went out, he looked over him, and he tried to curse him. Blessing came out of his mouth. Why? He said everything I try to curse, God blesses it. You cannot stop. You cannot overcome the blessing of God on your house. In fact, God's already put it in your DNA. He put it in the DNA of the earth. I know. The Bible talks about Adam had to tore the ground. You may plant some seed. Let me, hey, let me just stay with, my, stay with what the Bible says. Go to Mark 4, all right? Now, this, this, is what, this, what, this is what Jesus said. He's talking about the kingdom of God. He said, so is the kingdom of God. If a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day and the seed should spring and grow up, he knows not how. You can plant it, but you can't make it germinate. He says, for the earth brings forth fruit of herself. First the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. Of herself, of other itself, is a Greek word that means automata, where we get the word automatic. When you get the blessings of God on you, stuff's just going to stop jumping up out of the ground. You're going to say, how did that happen? I don't know. I just know I've been blessed. I, I just know I've been blessed, and I can't stop the blessing.
heart, I'm tired of quit. <laughs> but you see, we got to have faith in the timing of God. Just like Elisha said, it fell a day where that boy was born. Amen. Don't you know that house was happy? Thrilled. I don't know about you. I was telling Dawn the other day. One of the happiest or one of the most wonderful sounds that I love to hear is the sound of a room full of little kids just laughing and playing. I've heard people talk, die and say, I hear angels. I hope when I die, I hear a bunch of kids laughing. I don't know what it is. They have no cares. They have no hang-ups. They have no hate. They have no prejudices. They're just laughing, having a good time. You understand what I'm saying? And I, you know, that's the way it was. That's the way, you know, I know we face burdens. I know we face struggles. struggles. I know we face cares. But I want to tell you, when God speaks peace on your house, that's a peace that's supposed to stay there. It's not to waver under there. You may go through hell and high water, but when the water gone and when hell's out, there's a peace that passes all understanding. The peace of Almighty God. So speak peace to your house. See, God knows what he's doing. Now, I have no problem doubting the power of God. I've known him, seen him do stuff for me. I know he's able. I know nothing is impossible with him. I know he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above. You don't have this problem. So you're the counselors and I'm the counselee this morning. I got to talk to you about my problem. But I have a problem trusting his wisdom when he does it and how he does it. Is anybody else in the room? As Bishop Miller said, I ain't feeling no love. I like it. But you see, God has the seasons and the timing under his authority. And until God says go, it's not going to go. But when God gets, says go, hell and all its demons can't stop it. When God says this is the seed, this is your season, then when he says it's your season to be blessed, it's your season. Because you see, because there's power in the word of God. But so see, he has his timing but he knows how to do it. I don't know why he sent those folks a baby in their old age. But I know it turned their, whole, their life upside down. 
He's recorded in the Bible. Did you see God had a timing? I don't know if you read the whole story. And started not to preach it. But the Lord said, you preach it. And I went ahead and then kind of came to realization of it. See what happens. You see, there's a principle in God's principles, in God's promise. Give me that slide. They, God's principle and God's promise always has these things. If God's something he tells you to live by, or if it's a promise he makes you, what it involves is the presence of God, the prosperity of God, the potential of God, the purpose of God, and the vision of God. And when God's principles, you, when you accurately apply them and believe them, his promises will cause you to prosper financially, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. What happens? The sun grows and one day passes away. The father brings him, he gets sick, brings him, passes away. The Shunammite lady gets her folks. Said, we got to go find Elisha. And she took off, said, don't stop. Drive this donkey as fast as you can drive. I'll hang on, but we're headed to Elisha. And Elisha saw her coming a long way off. Sent Gehazi, asked her how everything was. And just before we get that, that song, I think, her response is, it is well. Her dream was gone. I'm just going to tell you my feeling. I believe in dreams. You need to have a dream. And I understand what we're meaning when we say you need to live your dream, go for your dream. But you listen to me. I want to go after God's dream for me. Now, I, hey, I can dream up some wild stuff. You will not believe how many nights I went to the federal penitentiary for eating the last gallon of ice cream in the freezer. <laughs> oh, that's not funny. It's real. I woke up. I mean, I've visited so many prisons. I know what you got on the orange overalls. You got on blue flip-flops. And you're shackled from your knees up through your groin and your hands. And you're shuffling. And you hear the, you hear the steel doors closing behind you. And you know there's no way you're going out. And I'm crying. And I'm like that guy on uh, uh, Shawshank Redemption. I'm crying for mama. I'm crying for daddy. I'm crying for everybody. And then I wake up and I say, I'll never eat anymore. But I lied. <laughs> when I was a little boy, I had a big dream. My dream 
was to be able to ride on the back of the garbage truck that came through my neighborhood. I thought that was the coolest job that they jumped on and they just kind of swung around. But what taught me out of it, my German shepherd, he didn't like them. He wanted to eat them. I won't embarrass anybody, but I have a relative that had it, that when that relative was young, the dream was to be a gospel singer and a bull rider. But I want to tell you something. I want God's dream for my life. I don't want to live your dream, but I want you to live yours. And I want you to live it to the fullest. And I want everything that God's promised to accomplish. But it may not always come the way I want it to come, and he may not always do it in the timing. So they found Elisha, and Elisha said, she's hiding something from me because I feel like there's bitterness, there's hurt. Just living life will bring hurt to us, folks. But, the same, but you see, if you give God a little room, he'll take care of it. He told Gehazi, I take my staff, said, take that child. And they took the child to the little room they built on their house. And they laid it on the little bed that they gave Elisha. Said, go lay my staff on it. When he got there, the child wasn't breathing. He stretched himself out on the child. Nothing happened. He walked back and forth in that little room. What was he doing? He, he walked by the table where God had fed him with the word. He probably stopped by the throne to make sure that he was still in tune. And then he got over there and realized he had the revelation. And he went over there and he stretched himself one more time. And that baby or that child or that young man sneezed seven times. And the Bible said Elisha presented him alive to his mother. Now I want to share this and then I'm going to stop. But you see, I, I believe in divine healing. I believe that people need to be healed. They want to be healed. But you see, as far as I know, everybody in the Bible has got healed or anybody who's ever physically got healed, eventually they passed away. But what, 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 what is it? Why, why does the story end this way? I believe what God is telling us, he's telling us that in his power and his purpose, in his ability, his purpose, and his plan, death cannot stop it. I don't know if this is accurate, but I found this. It said nine stages of a person's life. Don't worry, I'm not going to preach all nine of them. First of all, it says crisis produces opportunity. Opportunity produces service or ministry. Ministry and service produces favor. Favor brings promotion. 
Promotion brings increase. Increase multiplies responsibility. Responsibility produces rewards. But get this, rewards attract attack. And attacks create a crisis. See, every time there's a crisis in our family or your family, God always has an opportunity. Now, nobody's life will ever be redemptive as Jesus' life was. But I want to tell you, there's people who have gone on to be with the Lord. Their passing was redemptive. You hear me now? Because you, when you get to glory, you're going to be shocked how that changed people's lives. I tell you what, when Kent, my sister's dad, passed away, it changed my life. Why? Because God used it to show me how much he cared for my dad and how much he cared for me. I've been preaching 30 years. Seen people go on with the Lord, but I just couldn't shake that. And the enemy was harassing me with it. I don't know why my dad's a good man. But I just told the Lord, I said, Lord, if you really care, would you just some way, somehow, let me know. I said, God, I've read your word. Maybe my, I've blinded my mind, but I said, Lord, you've got to help me. And there where I lived in Orlando, y'all ever wonder why Pastor Kent comes in here and he says, well, I was up at 3 o'clock this morning. You know why? Because of all of us. He cares for us. He cares for this ministry. So I'd usually stay up late a quiet time when dawn would go to bed and I just tried to talk to God and after about 30 years I realized I couldn't do it by myself so I started praying more but I'd always sit in my big recliner in our great room and the TV was there and I'd be here and over here was the front door and it was big wide double doors to our house and I'd sit there sometimes until 1 o'clock in the morning and in my, God gave me a dream one night. And I was sitting there. And I was kind of meditating in my dream. Had the TV on. I'm one of those guys, I don't watch. I like the TV on just to hear the noise. And in my dream, the doorbell didn't ring. I had a big old doorbell and it would go boom, boom, you know. But it was a knock on the door. And in my dream, I opened the door, and there stood my dad. He looked like he looked when I was a kid. Black hair, muscle tone, strong. And I opened the door, and I said, well, come on in. He said, I can't come in. But I just came by to let you know I love you, and I'm doing fine. And I woke up. I want to tell you something. 
I don't know why I'm preaching this, but I don't know where you are. But I want to tell you, God's got a way of making everything fine in your house today. We just got to trust Him. Come on, stand up with me this morning. This has been a presentation of Word Alive International Outreach, 122 Allendale Road, Oxford, Alabama. Reach us by phone at 256-831-5280 or at our website, wordalive.org. This has been a production of Word Alive Creative Arts.